0: Oh yeah, a little bit of quarterfinal action on the way, hey? A little bit of quarterfinal stuff? Maybe a little Craig Goodwin on the left wing? Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 142. The Roos are into a quarterfinal. Our Games of the Week provided the goods in Germany and France, and some weird shit went down in England and Belgium. Here we go, another week. Uh, Socceroos quarterfinal. I'm so excited. Uh, is the football exciting? Definitely not. But Socceroos being in a quarterfinal—that is exciting. I'm joined once again by Cooper and Tommy. Feel free to say hello if you like, guys.
1: Hello. No, uh, no synchronized timing this week.
0: Nah, I'm just, I'm just winging it. You know, I, I don't write this stuff down. I just roll into it. I press record. We start talking. The only thing that's pre-done is the intro.
2: Um,
0: it's no, a good all, thing. No one yeah.
2: no one has ever accused us of having anything written down or planned. So no, it's good. Well, long time listeners will know that we spent a
0: long time looking for someone to be our Googler. And Cooper is Cooper is that guy. He's our Googler now. So let's start with this nonsense. We're not going to start socceros. We'll get to that in a sec, but we wanted to have this discussion. It's being reported today um by the BBC, ESPN, uh the man Fabrizio Romano that there's a game in Belgium that is going to be replayed because of a VAR decision. I'll just read out this post from, it looks like, Facebook or Twitter that says, historical decision has been made as Genk v. Anderlecht game will be replayed due to VAR error. Uh, Belgium side Genk have won their appeal against a VAR error and their league match with Anderlecht will be replayed, etc., etc. Anderlecht won the game 2-1 in December, but Genk's Jura Saw saw his first-half goal ruled out after following up on Brian Hanan's missed penalty. saw was penalised for encroachment. Two Anderlecht players were equally as guilty. This means the penalty should have been retaken rather than the goal simply ruled out. Genk took their case to the Dis- Disciplinary Council for Professional Football, who ruled the match must be replayed. Now, I don't think any of us have seen the actual in- incident. In fact, I don't think any of us even care about the incident. We can't be going back and replaying games because of a disallowed first half goal, can we? Or any goal for that matter.
1: <laughs> not from December twenty third, two thousand and twenty three. I think not from uh, yesterday. Uh, that's what a sort of long deliberation I mean. period. It, it, it's a huge deliberation period. And and I agree with you. And even if it was yesterday, we can't be going going back and replaying this. I know when Uh, I've seen it likened on Twitter to the the Liverpool Tottenham incident and how so many people joked and we joked about how, oh, replay the game, replay the game, da-da-da, and we got on here and we spoke about how actually fucked we would all be if we replayed this fixture because of the precedent that it sets, and this is just open to a whole can of worms, if... Four games in Belgium have VAR errors on the weekend. Are we going to replay all four of those in a month's time? Is this going to be a never-ending league that we don't get a champion until 2027, until they've gone (laughs) through all the games without making a mistake? It's crazy stuff. You're almost getting into, like, just
2: concurrent league seasons now, and it's just rolling league titles, and maybe they'll just eventually pick a day and be like, okay, you're champion for this season. Pick a day next year. Where do you...
0: So where do you possibly draw a line at what fouls and what decisions are worth replaying a game for like purely cuz it was a pen- penalty incident and cost them a goal but like they still had a whole second half to score a goal they- this was in the first half but I, I guess none of that really matters like at any point of the game at any any kind of decision we just
2: we just can't be doing it it's it's completely crazy I just it's in- it's interesting to wonder about a threshold though like mm. I haven't seen I haven't seen this incident but if it is being likened to the Liverpool one uh pretty like important phase of the game uh glaring error where it was just process that went wrong um, that would feel more like a, a reason to replay a game as a you know as yeah. opposed to like a penalty something that's objective. I don't know where you would make
1: the threshold it probably would be the Liverpool incident but everyone roundly rejected that I, th- I just think like the comparison is so funny because, the decision made in the Liverpool game actually cost Liverpool a goal. Whereas mm. in a sense with with this one, this hasn't cost Genk a goal because even yeah, if they correctly extreme. ruled the decision, if they correctly gone back and the linesman or VAR had gone, okay, player from both team encroached, we have to retake this penalty, there's absolutely no guarantee that Brian Haynan, who missed the penalty in the first place, steps up and scores. Like there is no guarantee we're getting a goal either way. And this is in the 23rd minute. So, you know, this goal has been disallowed, but in football for as long as it's been played and a million times over, there's been mistakes that have cost teams goals and they've moved on mm. and the game's been one all and they've played 70, 70 minutes of football happened after this incident <laughs> yeah. and they didn't score and they conceded <laughs> in the last minute. There's Good so point. many other moments in this game that yeah. contributed it's, to this result. It's like, um,
0: you know, you When you see it like cartoons, I know Family Guy did one where they go back in time and um, you change one tiny little thing and it just fucks everything. You don't know what would have happened. Like, you literally have no idea what would have happened. Like, if uh, Liverpool were given a penalty against Arsenal for the Erdegaard handball, you don't know that Arsenal weren't going to like change a gear because of that and then come out and get an equalizer or a winner. Like, you, you cannot say that any of these things, bar like maybe a final minute of the game, like, uh, you know, Grosso against Australia in the World Cup, an incident like that that's in the final kick of the game, you have mm. no way of knowing what the result would have been, you know? It's all well and good to say, yeah, you've got that goal, you're 2-1 up. doesn't mean you would have won for, you know, Genk might have come back and scored two or three more anyway and beat you. Like, we have no mm. idea how it would play out. Uh, but if we are going to do it, we should go back and replay the entire World Cup um, I can't remember what year, but we take France out and put Ireland in because of Henri's handball. That's, <laughs> that's the way we're going to do it. Let's go, play it. let's play that entire World Cup again and let's play it in Australia. Fuck it. We'll just play <laughs> the You're really thinking tonight. I like it. Yeah, let's go. Let's talk about the soccer now that I've mentioned Australia. There's a little segue there. I didn't mean to, it just happened. Uh, the ruse. <laughs> we're trying to be as enthusiastic as we can about this. We sound really bitter when we whinge about the performance, but the reality is Australia had one shot on target in the first half, and that was Boyle's header that scored to go two nil up. I thought Australia were deserving probably of their four nil win. Um it's not as it's not as exciting as we'd all like it to be, but um yeah, I guess there's still a, a wait and see as we look to play some of the bigger teams coming. What did you guys make of the make of the Indonesia game? I'll go to you first, Cooper.
1: Yeah, um, I think the point that you make that Australia were deserving of this win is an important one because there was a bit of conversation talking about, and I got brought up in a group chat that yourself and I are in, Sam, about the, the India result in the first game and, oh, didn't you watch the India game and this and that and the other? And it's like, but at no point can you turn around and say that Australia didn't deserve to, they they weren't, yeah, they didn't deserve to win that India game or they weren't quality for the three points because they were much the better team and on that balance yeah. you say they deserve to win it. But the concerning thing was the lack of creativity in those first games and the in- inability to to create a goal. And the same went in the draw in the last game of the group stage. And and this really felt the same. This was, I mean, Martin Boyle scored a, a diving header at the back post off one moment of great play from and Jones in the 45th minute. But that was the first shot on target the Socceroos had in an entire game of football against a team ranked 120th in the world. It is awful. Yeah. Mm. They had some chances too, didn't they? Um, is it if it's a funny one because Matty
2: Ryan, he wasn't overly tested throughout the game. Like I can't really think of one massive save he had to pull out, and that kind of I guess adds to the the idea that we were better than them in a sense. Um, but we were like merely shuffling around. There was it's it's the lack of creativity. It's the lack of any kind of I don't know guts in a way to take a game by the scruff of the neck and actually try and play some decent football. Like it's all well and good to continue to, this is so dumb. It's all well and good to just continue to win games. <laughs> but I think there's really got to come a point, especially if you want to try and dominate a, a, a continent, like a tournament like this going forward, you've got to establish a style. You've got to, you've got to actually go out in there and there and do something as opposed to just waiting for a mistake or a lucky break. Yeah, I think like
0: we're obviously, it's results driven football and Australia could well go on and win this tournament. That's a genuine possibility. We do play better against better teams, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for more of us, we're we're looking at the bigger picture here. And so when I talk about the Socceroos and playing good football or playing a, a brand of football, especially against sides like India and Indonesia and Syria playing a brand of football that makes people want to tune in and watch because we're talking about at at the World Cup, the whole thing that got everyone going as well as getting results, they were also looking exciting um, on the counter and like doing exciting things, taking it to the best. And they just – like that that's what built up all this excitement in Australia for people wanting to watch the Socceroos. And then we go into this Asian Cup and people see maybe some of the friendlies we've played. They see the World Cup qualifiers we've played, albeit against pretty weak opposition. Um, and there's nothing there that makes you go, oh yeah, I, I really want to sit up at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night before I have to go to work the next day and watch Australia play Indonesia. Like, if we're going to be with the whole point of us joining this Asian federation was for us to grow as a footballing nation on the world stage. Um, mm. And to grow the game in this country, if we want the game to grow in this country, we can't be just knocking around like idiots out there. And that's how it looks. It's, it's some of it's, some of it's shocking. But like I said, we sound miserable. I'm going to be, don't get me wrong. I'll be up and about if we win the thing. And I still want of us course. to win the thing. I don't want us to lose. I'm not like all these people out there who are wanting the Australian cricket team to lose. Cause they don't like woke Patty or whatever. Um, <laughs> I genuinely want Australia to win, but it's just, yeah, i just, the the Arnie thing. What did you, there was a tweet yesterday, uh, Robbie Slater, I think it was at halftime, having a real old whinge about uh, some of the criticisms. Is, is he just sticking up for his mate Arnie again? Like, what's going of, on here? Of,
1: of course he is. This is the man that, that wanted Ange Postacoglu out of this job because of the way he was managing this football team. And we've seen now. What, We've seen what Ange Postacoglu has gone on to do and what he's achieving currently. But this is a guy who bared for Arnie to be in the top job the whole time and at halftime tweeting, Socceroos comfortable but only by the scoreboard, according to the expert. Give me a break. How many caps? None. Now, that's that's in reference to Tara on on comms and on the panel saying that she's got no no Socceroos caps uh, in a world where it's fucking impossible <laughs> for her to have Socceroos caps. Robbie, that's not how these <laughs> things work um and saying oh she's she can't be an expert she's got no caps well Robbie if you're an expert and you're sitting on the couch at halftime yesterday trying to tell me that that first 45 minutes was comfortable then you've got fucking rocks in your brain because I don't know what you were watching in comparison to the rest of the country but you're embarrassing yourself because everyone knows that you're sitting there behind your keyboard standing up for Graham Arnold and everything he does everyone knows And then tweeting it full-time. Lucky win, I guess. Very sensitive, some of you. Unconvincing and lucky four goals. Last time I looked, I think this is the biggest win of the tournament. Some seem disappointed. (laughs) No one's disappointed that this team went out there and they won 4-0 no. and they're into an Asian <laughs> Cup quarterfinal. No one they're, said it was lucky either. They're, they're, they're disappointing thinking that, hey, hold on, let's be realistic for a second. We haven't been convincing, even though we've won 4-0 tonight and we're probably the most convincing we've been. Indonesia are probably the second easiest opponent that the Socceroos have played so far yeah. in this tournament and mm-hmm. we're very fortunate with the group draw that they got and, and this round of 16 tie was probably a lot easier than 180 minutes of football that the Socceroos have played in the groups. But yeah, this 4-0 this wasn't flattering. It Sorry, it was flattering for the school unflattered flattered the Socceroos and it was probably you know a little bit unlucky in, in terms of Indonesia. Like you said, you thought they had some chances. I'm not convinced they necessarily had some chances, but we gave them space in areas that if we do go on to play South Korea in a quarterfinal, that they, regardless of whether we stand up and play better against... Bigger and better opposition. You give South Korea and, and Hyun Min Son and those kind of guys that space. They're going to destroy the Socceroos in the quarterfinal. You would think so. And if we continue with Gethin Jones, um, yeah, I think there's going
2: to be there's going to be a mauling out there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of this lineup.
0: Um, we saw the team news come through and saw that Riley McGree had been given the nod. The Gola Kakas, we call him. You call him Paulo. The Gorla Pella at one point, Tommy, but wrong position, really. But I'm going to go with Kaka. The goal of Kaka. Bruno Fornaroli got a start, uh, which, which I like to see. I'm not sure. Him and Yangi, I think we've all got them pretty well on the same level at the moment. If it's not going to be Duke, happy for either of them. Uh, but Jordy Boss held his spot at left wing. And this, again, not a criticism of Jordy Boss. He's not a left winger. He's a left back. And... We said it last week, Arnie just keeping Baj in this team is completely baffling to me. We have genuine fears of what could happen against uh, the likes of Japan and Korea or whoever with these fullbacks. And Gethin Jones, I saw some tweet, a lot of tweets actually last night saying that this guy just simply is not up to this level at all. Like he's so out of his depth. And then I saw other replies saying he'd be out of depth in their in their mixed futsal team on Wednesday nights. Um <laughs>
2: He hasn't yeah, indeed himself to the lucky,
0: country. Lucky not to be sent off as well, I thought. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a wild, reckless challenge. I, it's one of those ones I think where, like the kick out after is... It's one of those ones when you look at it, I think it probably should only be a yellow because mm-hmm. use some common sense, it should only be a yellow, but they are always given... They
2: are so often given as reds. Um, yes. It wasn't yeah. like the one in F, uh, AFCON. Overnight, I think was it the Guinea game? Equatorial Guinea versus Guinea. Your if story. You... Oh mate, if you can have a look <laughs> at this, it's great. The follow through to the mid of the body wow. starts up. Brilliant. Margel spec.
1: Why are we why are we giving referees the opportunity to send us off for doing mm. things like that in this tournament is more the question. Like yeah. like you said, it probably should just be a yellow because he hasn't mm. it's not aggressive, he's not assaulted the bloke. We don't have to be silly about it. Um, but if the referee on field has seen this and dished out a red card VAR is not saving him it's no, Not coming have, in and, and giving him any, and I, any helping hand no and I
0: wouldn't have been surprised if the ref did pull out of red either I was I thoroughly expected him to um yeah
1: but a couple couple of things you know, I wanted to talk about lineup wise um mm. I'll start with Bruno and, and Riley um Riley is the best creative midfielder that the Socceroos have had for a, a serious period of time and by far in this current team and and Bruno Fornaroli you know we've seen what he he can do at A league level and and how good he's been this season age aside whatever but why bring two creative players into this lineup and force them to play like the guys that they've replaced if you're going to make Bruno Fornaroli come into this team and pretend to be Mitchell Duke, then just play Cassini Yengi, who is more like Mitchell Duke. Yeah. Let's that's not fuck around. Yeah. If we're going to play Bruno Fornaroli, let Bruno Fornaroli be Bruno Fornaroli. If we're going to play Riley McGree, let Riley McGree be Riley McGree. If we're not going yeah. to let him do that, then play players that are going to play the roles the way you want them to.
2: Could you imagine the potential link-up if you gave like Riley a little bit of a freer role and you were trying to post Bruno up to his feet? Like that's... That's how he plays football. That's where he wants it. He wants it at his feet. He wants to interchange and link and draw defenders around and create the space for shots. And, you know, after 20 minutes, you were like, it was so painfully obvious that we were just going to sit to the curriculum, yeah. which is, you know, static, inverted fullbacks, it's just choking space. It's not, it just doesn't work. But so I was going to say before, I thought the Jones cross for Boyle's goal was pretty good. Yeah, um, it was good. Probably his yeah, only good moment quality this tournament, there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, just, so um, like-
1: I wanted to ask, I sent it to you guys during the game. Uh, Rob Cornthwaite tweeted during this one that Bruno starting is an incredible story in Australian football, but it's actually embarrassing that in a major international tournament our best available striker is a 36-year-old Uruguayan. Borrello, a massive loss and would have been there if fit. I'm not actually convinced he would have been because his A-League form was terrible at the start of this season pre-injury. And then he said, look, hope, hope Bruno yes. scores a hat-trick. And we know you know we've seen what Robbie does in south australian media he's not saying that he wants bruno to fail because he doesn't think he should be in a 10. Yeah. but mm-hmm. coming out and saying that that it was embarrassing that he was our best striker and whatnot and and i said i thought it was a little bit of a weird take because and I, and i know that lots of people agree with him um and mm-hmm. at the time you said sam that you probably agree too that it's, it's I, un- get the, I get that i get what he's
0: saying i get the sentiment yeah, yeah. a
1: 36 year old that's been had to be naturalized is our best available striker Um, I had a good chat with a few people about this and and a great point that was made to me is that You know, Rob is a big guy and a lot of the, like Daniel Garbs and those that are working in the A-League industry, they, when they talk, they sit on these panels and they talk about the marquee players and the visa players that they bring to this league. And we always talk about how important it is for teams to have, and even we do it sitting in the grandstand, like, oh, if we're going to use a visa spot, I'd love us to bring in a striker. It's just the first thing you think, if we can have one position on this pitch, that's more quality than the rest of we got. Let's get a striker that can bang in goals. But I find it funny that for years no club starts Australian strikers in our own country, and then we go back and we make these tweets and we wonder why we don't have any Australian strikers And to the point that if we don't play them, who's, no one else is going to play them. No other country is going to go I, farm Australian kids and improve their national team.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure anyone's wondering about it. I think it's more just it goes back to the fact that we've – across football in general, we've just stagnated so much and we're not producing the quality of players that we all were sold on that we would be once we moved away from Oceania and moved into Asia. This would be, you know, it would, it's so that we could have multiple golden generations, you know, again and again. Um, and we're just not producing them. And, like, I guess that's... Uh, it's just burnt kind of the A-League managers and people who run A-League clubs are kind of... Their hands are tied a little bit by the quality of striker that's out there in Australia at the moment. And you look at the ones coming through, and I guess this is what Robbie's called, like what you, you're going to have Max Burgess. Like, you're going to have, um, who's that Luka? Who's that other goober at Newcastle? Uh, Buhaja? Buhaja. Is he at Newcastle? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. Just both. Yeah, it should be Burgess and Buhaja, Like, But th- what? This, is, this, is what
2: Carl, this is what Carl always used to say about George. Was it Carl? Someone would refer to George Blackwood as I'm playing him and I keep signing, re-signing him because we want Australian strikers in the league. Yeah. Like, it's a shame that we pinned our hopes on George Blackwood,
1: but that was the whole idea. Yeah. This is the, the and Tonus made a great point when we discussed this last night that Taggart and McLaren are our only Australian strikers starting every game in the league, other than yeah. Bruno, who's been naturalised. And even both of them had to move A-league clubs for opportunities when they were starting out um shit like what happened with the Wanderers and Cassini Yengi does your head in when you poach a young and upcoming striker from his club in Adelaide United only to then go and sign a Bosnian butcher minutes later to start up front and force Yengi wide once you've been that guy then you sign another international yep. striker who sucked too what's the point of going and poaching a player signing someone to compete with him but not to freeze him out or to play him out of position
0: frustrating because you feel that Hang if on. Yengi had stayed in Adelaide he would have probably like it in um the Down periods of Hiroshi, like Cassini would have been lighting it up,
1: or, the guy, or maybe
0: yeah. Hiroshi never even gets in there, you know. Yeah, so or we could
2: have Hiroshi and Yengi
1: together right now, and that would be good. It, it would the uh, the last point before you move us on from the soccer, Sam. The in the post match press conference, obviously, we we heard pre game that as we a little bit suspected, Goody had been carrying a, a bit of a niggle and a bit of an injury, and that's why he had been absent in the last mm. two games um then comes back who and off said the that bench. whether you whether you believe this or you don't believe that's adelaide united
0: levels of transparency well
1: it is yeah. you're right and and we'll leave that up to whatever you make of it but but going forward graham arnold when asked about craig goodwin and whether he would start in the next game in his post-match press conference um arnie came out and he said that craig is at an age where i feel like at times he can be more of an impact substitution off the bench for starters, we're talking about a 32-year-old <laughs> when we started a 36-year-old up front last night, Yeah, a younger kid who could have had more energy, and then you got so. experienced 36-year-old on to be an impact sub off the bench. Um, and then he went on to say that he doesn't think that, that Jordy Bose, who is a natural left back, and Craig Goodwin, who is a natural left midfielder, can't play in the same team. Um. So so he he is talking out of his ass to do everything he possibly can to keep as is Bayich and his team, when in reality both and Goodwin could both start in either position. So if anything, they're both more compatible together than Bayich and whoever he chooses.
0: I firmly believe that Arnie is all over the criticisms he gets from the, the, the Australian footballing public, I think. And so he starts spinning these, this chat and his webs Um. I guess a lot of that criticism probably comes through in Australian, like that like journos asking questions and things, relaying those thoughts of the public. I guess, um, but he just the way he spins all these lies, and, like not lies, I guess I shouldn't say they're lies, but a <laughs> legend just talks out of his ass. Allegedly <laughs> talks out of his ass, um, <laughs> and like with the things like with the Craig Goodwin thing, like when people, you know, when you see these situations where they kind of get defensive about it and say, "Oh, well, he's had a niggle," and it's like, yeah. well. Fucking tell us then. It's like when we, get, when we get the shits with Adelaide United and we're all going, where the hell's is Ansel? Why aren't you playing Nick Ansel? Why aren't you going to get the Ansel? Um, and then <laughs> I turn around and they like, oh, no, he's been injured. And it's like, well, fucking tell us that. Otherwise, we have every right to be pissed about it, you know, and asking you and criticizing you. So, ah, oh, just sort it out. Craig Goodwin, though, coming on, getting a goal and assist in the, in the final stages. Oh, what a king, isn't he? Isn't he just a king?
2: What a ridiculous performance to really just rejuvenate such a lifeless squad. Uh, his quality, I mean, it was a, a nice delivery for the Sutar goal, definitely. Um, and he does kind of have a lot of goal to aim at for the shot, but nonetheless, you just you want a, a bit of quality to come onto the pitch, someone that's going to take something on and try it. Yeah. And he did that twice,
1: and well, bang. Harry Sutar now has the the same amount of goals in a soccer shirt as as Mark Vaducuka does. And no. he was asked about equaling this this tally of Vaduka's goals last night. And he said, I've known that I've been one short for a while. And when I saw Craig coming off the bench with five minutes to go last night, my eyes lit up. And considering this guy in Arnie's, who's only existed in Arnie's era, has gone and scored 12 goals for the Socceroos now and equal the Duca's tally. If you think this, if this guy who has been, I know it is ridiculous, but if this guy who has been one of the main threats to goal is seeing a guy coming off the bench and his eyes are lighting up, maybe that guy should be starting fucking games. 100%. Absolutely.
2: Um, I've just had a look. He's nine goals off being a top 10 goal scorer for Australia, which he could realistically get. Huge in not it?
0: Wait till some of these World Cup qualifiers <laughs> come around against some minnows and we'll see what we get. Can we go back and play American Samoa once and see if we can get all 12 in like one game? Um, <sighs> Shut Archie up. I'm, I'm going to move on to our games of the week because Tommy, yours ties into yours is the only one that hasn't played yet. Uh, it will have played by the time people hear this pod, I suggest, but Australia are going to play the winner of, um, Saudi Arabia and South Korea. What have you got for us here?
2: This is potentially the first heavyweight clash that we've seen in the Asian Cup. Yeah, I agree. Um, South Korea, they haven't been as dominant as you were expecting. Because I, no. I think we said from the outset they've maybe got the most talented team, definitely the top two most talented with Japan. I think second. I think Japan are far and away, but yeah. Mm. Um, they, they just, they boast so many key players. And you wonder if now this is the time where you know the four of them. You would think um, Son, Kim, and Jay, Lee Kang, and Huang, if they can, if they can all click and find three really good games together. Yeah. One, they're gonna they're gonna just push Saudi Arabia to one side, who I don't think have been as impressive as they were in the World Cup. No, and they look to be. I reckon they could be got out here, even though you know they've got the AFC Player of the Year. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I don't. I still don't see yeah. them rolling South Korea
0: here. Uh, give us a prediction so that when people listen to this and the game's been played, they can see if you were right or not. I reckon South Korea 3-1. Yeah, beautiful. All right, I think South Korea would do them too, and Australia are going to have a – it's going to be a great clash that I think Australia and whoever gets through here, I think it will be a mm. good game. So I've got True. a feeling either of these teams, even if Saudi Arabia got through, they'll be licking their lips maybe at a real chance to go and get at Australia, especially if they've watched – Bayich and Jones recently. Um, I'm going to go did, straight. Uh, sorry, I did see go quickly
2: on. that Jones had a, a little niggle. He's got like a hamstring something or other, yeah, so he, he came may off. actually be out. Yeah, you know. bugger, shame. Uh,
0: sorry, Gethin, if you're listening, and your family's listening, <laughs> and all your friends are listening, but you know what do you want from us? You came into the Socceroo camp like a week ago. I'd never heard of you. I'm gonna take it across to Germany because Cooper, you had a game of the week here between Stuttgart and Leipzig, the surprise pack at Stuttgart this week.
1: Yeah, up to third. So. Up to third in the Bundesliga now with this win, five two. Uh Dennis Undav trick he was excellent. Um Stuttgart were excellent. I know Leipzig got the two goals, but even potentially then that flattered them a little bit. Stuttgart just, just ran a muck on them and they were super yeah. impressive in this one. Uh
0: Denny Undav had We love it. You had him in our fantasy team for a while there Tommy last season and uh, he did nothing.
2: No, unfortunately we were one season too early I think that was our issue. He's um he's in the chat for like a German national team call up now.
0: Yeah. Uh, in te- good form. Um Stuttgart did they started the weekend in third but um Leipzig have now since dropped uh by, uh Borussia Dortmund have gone ahead of them after they got a 3-1 win full krug with uh, a hat trick. We'll call it a hat trick, but it's not a Bundesliga hat trick because he had two pens. Uh, technicalities. Technicalities. Imperfect um, hat trick. Sure. Harry Kane. Uh, Harry Kane scored, and Eric Dyer started in Bayern Munich's three-two win over Augsburg. They had that was a much needed, uh, much needed victory for them. While Leverkusen dropped points against Mönchengladbach, and I think. No one wants to see Leverkusen dropping points. They can't afford to because Bayern, as poor as they've been the last month or so, they're still right there. It's still the Man City effect where you you expect them to come along in March or April and just win every single game they're playing in every competition. So that gap is two points now, but they're Bayern Munich are 10 points clear of third. So it's tightening up in the middle. My game of the week was in France where I had two to pick from, but I went with two of the bigger clubs against each other. It was Marseille and Monaco. Marseille, uh, just in a bit of struggle town here, trying to keep touch with the European spots, which is it's huge for them if they don't get it because um, these teams, teams in leagues like this that are on the fringe of Europa League are really relying on that re- that whatever revenue they get from that for their FFP stuff. Um, but they had a 2 0 draw with Monaco, Monaco who finished with nine men after uh, they took the lead one nil and then an innocuous. Red card, one of those ones where the Marseille striker's making a run in behind and he has like a little kind of tug at his shirt and then lets him go. The Monaco player takes a couple of steps, goes down. Cooper's probably fine with it because Jota did it. Um, don't bite Cooper, it's just a joke. All right. <laughs> um, but it was one like it's really wide and the the players running wide. I thought it was a really harsh red card to give a straight one for that. In no way a definite goal scoring opportunity. Uh, but it ended to all another red card late. You do not, you simply don't have big games in France without um, red cards. It just gets, we've talked about it on here before, and usually the fans are going wild. The other big one this week in France, it wasn't my game of the week, but PSG versus Brest. You'd be, we're forgiven for glossing over this one as a potential game of the week, but this was first v third in Liga because Brest are right up there and they came from 2 0 down. A way to PSG to get a point here. And this is huge. Um obviously PSG still s- sitting on top. They're pretty comfortable. They're six points clear, but for Brest, it's huge. If they can finish in that third spot, they're a point ahead of Monaco and get Champions League football uh with Nice in second. That's a, a real shakeup to the French sides we're seeing in the in European football. So that's like you interesting, said, isn't
2: it? Big G up to the finances gives Brest a little bit more freedom to like invest further, go out and try and get some enhancements potentially. Um, I just, I think it's great. There should always be one, you know, and it looks like there is one in most of the divisions at the moment, mm. like in Stuttgart or in Villa who are, you know, a sort of newest team on the block, a little bit less fashionable. Yeah. Contesting definitely. in Europe.
0: Um, good stuff. I don't really have anything for Italy. The only thing I like, I was it last week or the week before I mentioned Josh Zerkesy? from Bologna, uh, and he scored again on the weekend against Milan. They got a 2 all draw after they gave away a dud penalty late Milan, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek deserves a shout-out. I've been loving him since he's come back from injury. He's been scoring goals from midfield, and I was real sceptical about this signing from Chelsea, but, um, you know, the change of scenery and what some may say is a a weaker league, I would say a different style because I like Italy. Let's talk FA have, Cup. You can't have
2: favourite children, hey. It's like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's not there's the smart one, and then there's the artistic one. Someone has to be all right. Um, let's talk FA Cup.
0: I don't know what you guys got here. I've got a long list of stuff. Really, we've got Jurgen Klopp. We've got Liverpool lining up with a, a horrific front three of your Norwich. You'll have to have a look at that. You've got. Hortvale Vale fans running on the field to chase referees. We've got West Brom and Wolves incidents on the field. Someone, someone, just take over here. What have we got? FA Cup wise,
2: this is a proper magic of the cup moment. I think you've just got classic matchups with teams in form against non-league teams. Uh, you've got bitter rivals facing off. There was a few. I'd like to just throw a couple at you, and you try and you tell me whether this is magic of the cup
1: or Let's whether go. it's
2: something a little bit more nefarious. Uh, Maidstone beats Ipswich, magic which I think is cup. a great result. Magic yeah. of the Cup. That's magic of the Cup, isn't
0: it? That's FM spec, those stats.
2: Oh, it was insane, wasn't it? 37 shots to two, uh, two on target, 21% of the ball. Yeah. They have sat in, soaked it up, delivered when it mattered. And that's it's beautiful. I mean, did you see how excited one of the fans got? I saw a man rolling off a roof in the grandstand. <laughs> it happens. Houston. All, like, all the best of this guy. It looks like he hit himself pretty hard on the way down. Um, that's magic of the cup as well, I think. Yeah, all of it is absolutely. magic of the cup. Yep. Uh, next, Port Vale pitch invader. More nefarious. It's not going in the magic of the cup
0: vibe, that's for sure. <laughs> what are we doing? Why are there people out there chasing referees?
2: Like, <laughs> grow up. Grow up. That's pretty much what it is. Don't chase revs. Like, they've got enough to do poorly as it is. They don't, don't need go on the, th- the pitch. <laughs> they don't you know? need the threat.
0: I don't mind a little bit of spillover onto the pitch when teams like celebrate goals, um, mm. you know, and you get one or two like they've spilled over the fence or climbed. But you yeah, know, the fence is coming They're just, whatever. And they're kind of just jumping around, dancing, having a good time, and then they get ushered back
2: over the fence. But this is just silly. We don't need aggression. Next. No, definitely not. Um, it, you know, in the vein of fans being on the pitch, uh, wolves scrapping mm. with rivals West Brom in the Black County? Black Country?
0: Uh, I'm not sure what they call that yeah, irrelevant black, derby. Black but... Country derby. Black Country. Yeah. This is much more grim, I think. This was a lot. It's This is... Uh, it was nasty to see and just... I felt on edge watch. So this was after, just after the Socceroos game. I had it on in the background here and then I I fully converted my attention to it. And it had already kind of, there'd been a bit of a rush down one end. Uh, Supposedly West Brom fans getting at the Wolves player, like family section or something like that. I'm not sure. Hmm. Either way, it's just fucking grim, no matter who it is. And then there were shots of people, supposedly West Brom fans in the Wolves end being thrown out by Wolves fans, just kicking them out. And then there was like, a guy, an old guy, like he, well, he looked old, he was hobbling a bit, just marching down the middle of the pitch with his West Brom scarf up in the air towards the Wolves crowd. And you're like, "What? Well, grow up, Gary. You got work tomorrow, maybe.
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, how old he's are you? De- he's definitely got kids at home that he oh. should probably be tending to rather than stirring up, you know, football. It's so funny because they live next door to each other. Yeah. And it's like the idea that they can create such animosity towards one another Yeah, um, to the point where like there were some very bloodied individuals getting dragged across the pitch. Someone left yep. on a stretcher. Like there was all sorts of fucking going on here. Right. Was, police got called in. There's also a man who came on and tried
0: to mega steward on the halfway line with the ball, <laughs> with one of the spare balls. Um, <laughs> I just like, I've, I've been reading some stuff today online and in some different like forums and stuff for like English football. And just, I, I, completely understand why it happens now because there's so many fucking bozos out there and you can see mm. them all commenting like commenting like fucking absolute mouth breathers online about how oh you just don't get it like this is proper hatred and like yeah yeah but why like grow up
2: you grow like the same up people you're
0: just fucking adults at soccer games man like <laughs> i understand <laughs> like yeah hate hate the opposition whatever like I, I don't want to physically assault someone who supports a different football team to me like Let's just let's grow up.
2: Come they on. were ch- they were chanting uh let him die at someone as he was getting carried off the field.
0: Absolute scenes. Um <laughs> anything else? What have you got?
2: Uh Newport come from two down to equalize at home against Man United.
0: Yeah, huge. And then um old mate scored and did a wild celebration. He was pretty happy with himself, Anthony.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, did we see the I'm not sure, I know Tom did he sent it in, but did you see the piece of radio commentary that people on Twitter were saying they genuinely had to pull over and and cry of laughter before they could no. start driving again for this goal? Anthony scored and, and he did a celebration and, and things things got going a bit. And then I think the commentator thought that United supporters were chanting Anthony is the Anthony is the greatest. But uh, it was actually Newport supporters chanting, "Anthony is a rapist." Jeez! And he's the commentator's gone. The chant now is, "Anthony is the greatest," and it went quiet. And he goes, "Oh, oh, oh sorry, no, no, it's not." He was, <laughs> like, he was like, "I'm sorry if you if you've had to hear that."
0: <laughs> oh, the poor bloke. Oh, that's unlucky. Um, I want to talk last thing probably for this week. Liverpool, I'll give you a moment here, Cooper. The first thing I want to ask you is why is Klopp sending out Jota, Nunes, and Gakpo at home to Norwich? Uh, the other thing is... I know the answer, so you don't have to take that one seriously. Um, the other thing, though, is obviously Klopp has announced he will be leaving, something that was supposedly um, he had confirmed with the club a couple of months ago, and they've waited till now to announce it. Uh, I, just, I guess what I'm asking you here is what was your visceral reaction to hearing that Klopp would be leaving Liverpool? Because... He's provided some some huge moments.
1: Yeah, um, in the, the least cringest way possible. A, a little bit devastated, yeah. to be honest. Um, sure. Especially, uh, you know, I've got friends of all ages that support Liverpool and family that have supported the club for 60, 70-odd years. But from a personal perspective of being 23 years old and Klopp has been You know my entire teens of my life and growing up, and you know that period where you're in high school and you start to give less fucks about your sleeping patterns. So for five years, you get up and you watch every single game that your club plays, plays no matter (laughs) what happens and and whatever it is. Klopp, Klopp was in charge of Liverpool for this entire time for me, and so I have so much love for Jurgen Klopp and, and the happiness that that he provided me in that period of time. And I know so many people do and. And whether he's gone or not, he's gonna. He's had such a lasting effect on this this club now, in comparison to what it was before he arrived. In and, and there's a little bit of obviously the unknown of of who's going to manage and what it's going to be p- past the time that he's gone. But we're now at a point now again that Liverpool are a big enough big enough club on the map again. Now that they'll they'll have the pool to sign players and get a manager in that they want, and we, we won't have to jump back on this merry-go round of of Roy Hodgson and Brendan Rodgers and and uncertainty. So he he's done heaps, not just for Liverpool, but for the Premier League too. I said to Tom during the week that outside of of Fergie and uh Arsene Wenger, this is the first time that I've seen like supporters of other clubs coming out and going on a serious note, this is actually sad for for English football in the Premier League because this guy's one of the greatest managers we've ever seen, and he's probably like Pep said. You know, the reason that City haven't walked ten consecutive titles in, like, so yeah, big loss, yeah. but it's football. Tommy, do you,
0: Tommy, do you share those those sentiments?
2: hundred oh, percent. I mean, if anyone heard the um, uh, the Bielsa funeral that we had, pod work, like, I think <laughs> yeah. I think we feel a, a similar way because like you can grow such a fondness to like the way that someone can make your club relevant again. Mm. And like, I think that was Klopp's greatest achievement with Liverpool is that he made them the powerhouse that for us growing up, when you get into football, at, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, it's just their memories. And it's them saying Liverpool's a big club without you actually, you know, champions league aside, without you actually seeing it regularly. And he's managed to do that in maybe one of the hardest environments, uh, the premier league seen, given the influx of dodgy money everywhere. And Liverpool have managed to do it very sustainably. Yeah. So the amount you know I think the transfer policy that he has overseen throughout the time where they are making uh, as much as they're selling in essence. I mean, they're already spending a little bit more, but that tied into the way that he plays football and you know just his demeanor, he's yeah. going to be a huge loss for the Premier League overall
0: um huge admiration for Klopp for me, I guess the Bruce Dortmund. Uh, back-to-back title wins, one of them being a a uh, double, winning the cup as well, the DFB Pokal, and then uh, he won that cup a couple of years later. Um, never quite got that Champions League, Champions League runner-up to to Bayern Munich at Wembley. Um, but I think, like, just it's this will maybe sound really cheesy, but this is the way I tend to look at football now that I'm a bit more older, and I don't know maybe hippie is the word. I don't know, but like <laughs> you're getting bohemian just, in your age. <laughs> like there's that moment. I can't remember who was talking to where Klopp said to the other manager on the sideline, like how fun is this or whatever. Mm. It was as simple as that. And to me, that just like, that is just, I love football. I just think it's super fun. It's the greatest football was the fucking greatest and I love it. So uh, just little moments like that, that just really captured just that to be able to go and enjoy. We love doing it on like a Sunday in local league, like, to be able to, it just shows how humble he is as well. To be able to be doing it on the top stage like that, with everything that's on the line, and to still get that much enjoyment out of football, it's brilliant. Uh, just quickly, if I can, his honours. Um, I don't know what. Does anyone know? Has he mentioned anything about where he'll be going? Is he just stepping away from football in general? Yeah, he, uh,
1: he noted that he would he would be having at least a twelve month period off because yep. he's, he's ready to give back to to his wife and his family and and whatnot. Um, and then he noted. He also said that he did the old "I'll never coach another team in, in England ever again." Um, I think the general the the general consensus is that that he'll have a bit of a break, and then yep. when they're ready for him, he'll manage the German national team.
0: Sure, yeah, he's still got time up his sleeve.
2: He's what 56, 57, something like that. Um, well, that's the thing. Is isn't um the current Nagelsmann isn't his contract up at the end of this season, this footballing calendar season? Nagelsmann. Hmm. Who was in charge of Germany? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Julian Nagelsmann used to be RB yeah. Leipzig's coach. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah I'm, it's, I'm, I'm not, not sure. Of the so I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I know Jürgen said that he wants to have at least 12 months off, obviously, after he mm, finishes this season yeah. with Liverpool.
0: Anyway, bounds <laughs> out with two Bundesligas, two DFB Pokals, the German Cup, a runner-up, uh, two Super Cups with Dortmund, uh, Champions League runner-up with Dortmund, and then with Liverpool, obviously, a Premier League, an FA Cup. Uh, two, two League Cups, a runner-up, uh, Community Shield champions league runner up twice in the champions league uh Carrius you know it's gonna happen uh gareth bale doing gareth bale <laughs> things and whatever you wait for super cup a club world cup and a europa league runner up uh i remember that one the europa league that was the loss to Sevilla, i reckon because yeah not knocked, knocked Dortmund out in Dortmund, the semi-finals yeah, yeah. and they were pretty much heading through, and then Skirdle popped up, and then some other idiot popped oh, de- up, and I was Dejan, really angry. Dejan
1: Lovren to, to make it five four right at the right at the death. Yeah, um, huge time. The Europa League final loss was sort of the the real first push of the, of the Klopp era, and I remember there being a lot of talk about a bit of Voodoo on his back because it was his uh, fifth consecutive European final loss. Um, and he hadn't won a a European trophy at all at that point and eventually obviously got into the Champions League, lost a Champions League final, and then then came back and won one. Um, Two things that stuck out to me that I I wanted to bring up about this, we spoke about it, that I saw online during the week was the best way I saw someone describe their feelings was say, um, when I was 11 years old, my dad walked out on me and I haven't felt like this since then. (laughs) Top comment was... Um, how dare you compare your deadbeat father to Klopp? <laughs> 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 and uh and secondly, I asked the in the the Liverpool group chat that exists, I asked the boys um if they had to compare if they had to in their head go Jurgen Klopp won starting eleven in his time at Liverpool, the they remember so fondly, and was the Jurgen Klopp lineup, and and he was infamous for using this lineup. And my head instantly, and, and everyone else in the chat instantly went the exact same eleven of Allison in goal, Robertson, Matip, Van Dijk, Trent Alexander Arnold across the back four, Fabinho, Henderson, Jeannie Wijnaldum, and then that front three of Mane, Firmino, Salah. Um, that starting eleven only started together one time in Jurgen Klopp's <laughs> entire time at Liverpool, wow. and it was Criminal. in a Champions League final win.
2: Oh, shit. there you go. All
1: right,
0: I'm also All going right, to ask. That's, cool. that's that's a nice place to wrap it because it's both a nice place to wrap it up. But it's also a bad place because you mentioned Jordan Henderson and we don't like him anymore. Um, (laughs) We might leave it there. All right. Thanks for listening. Get around us on the socials. Uh, We're about to record a red edition. That'll be out this week as well. I can hear some sort of, I reckon someone's got a cricket in their their room near their microphone or something. I can hear some sort of bug. Maybe it's me. We'll sort that out. Red edition coming up. Stay tuned. Enjoy your football, folks. See you next week. Go the ruse.